Good evening to you. Welcome tonight. Say happy birthday to Jeremy, my son. Today is his day. <laughs> okay, tonight, um, I'm going to have you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's see what this passage teaches us about prayer tonight. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8. It's a story, so let's, let me just read it through. You follow along with the story as it's read. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is that I might send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they, came, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open the eyes, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Let's pause right there. You get the gist of what's going on. Elisha is the prophet of God. The people of God are the people of Israel. And their enemy is the Syrians. And the Syrians were going, making war with them. And the king of Syria became disgusted because every plan he made, the Israelites were warned about it ahead of time. He's like, how is this happening? He got with his troops and how is this happening? And he says, hey, there's a man of God named Elisha who's telling, telling his, his army everything you say in your bedroom. 
And that's, 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 that's kind of comical as we hear it, but it, it just enraged this king. How, is, how are our secrets getting out? We can't do anything because our secrets are getting out. Um, and so he decided that he was going to get rid of Elisha. So he sent a huge army and surrounded Elisha. But what happened? How did his servant feel, feel when, he, when he saw that army surround, surrounding him? Afraid. What did Elisha say to his servant? What's the first words he said to his servant? You see it in verse 16. He said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And why? For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant would have thought for a moment, what is he talking about? Does he see this army that's surrounding us? We, ha we don't have a chance. But Elisha said, hey, don't worry about that army. There's another army that you can't see yet, and they can't see yet either. And so it's interesting. Elisha prays for a number of things. First, he prays that the eyes of his servant will be open. And what would the servant be able to see? Mm -hmm. What would you call it? God's army. How, what tells us that it's God's army? Chariots of fire. <laughs> Chariots of fire. And we know that the fact that the Syrians couldn't see him. And the servant couldn't see him. Okay? So there's an invisible army. You know, Psalm 34, 8 says, The angel of the Lord encamps or surrounds those who fear him. And, uh, and so we know God's protection is on his people in various ways. And this is just one of one ways that he demonstrated him. Um, I noticed in Elisha's prayer, he prays in faith. Somehow he can see, he's a man of faith, he can see the army around him. And so he prays that his servant be able to see it. Why would he want his servant to see it? So he wouldn't be afraid. So he realized he wasn't outnumbered, right? We feel sometimes like we're outnumbered. I feel like that a lot. When I leave this church, I feel like, oh, boy, I'm back out here <laughs> by myself, right, battling on my own. And sometimes we feel like we're, we're on our own. We're battling on our own. We come to pray together because there's power in those numbers, right? God knows there's power in numbers. He knows that we are encouraged by the, the power in numbers, but we don't often see the numbers in our favor, right? So Elisha prays that his servant's eyes would be open and God would reveal to him the truth of what's really going on. Our prayer tonight is that our eyes be open so that we don't give up, so that we don't think that we should give up because we're outnumbered. Sometimes if, you're, if you feel like you're outnumbered, you feel like, okay, no sense in fighting this battle. I better surrender while I have a chance. That's what the, the servant felt like. But Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes and let him know that there is another force 
that is not always seen, that's on our side. God's force. This isn't just a fairy tale. God is saying, I'm greater than any enemy that you have going against you. And I'm real. And by faith, you need to open your eyes and see me and act like I'm there because I am. Can you imagine what that feels like? Can you imagine going up against the challenges that we face to know that God's army is there, God himself is there with us? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Is that true? Is it true? Somebody tell me, is it true or not? It's true. We don't see him, though, do we? We feel evil all around us. I feel it in the news reports. I feel it in, 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 in just the, the, um, the way things are going. You know, you, you kind of feel like, man, it's, it's, it's not going good. Um, and we need to pray, God, open our eyes that we see your hand. We see you working. Do you see God working? Are you able to see what God is able to do? Are you able to see God working? Maybe you need for God to just let you in on that secret. Maybe you need for God to, to open your eyes and see. One of the ways that we open our eyes is we see from God's word. He reveals a little bit about the future so that we can know. That we can know that the game is won already. That God wins and that we're on God's side. God is on our side. I like the words that, that, um, that Elijah says, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Elijah says, Elisha says in verse 16, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, that's not just a, a, um, a word of encouragement to, to puff somebody up. It's an absolute fact. Did you know when the angels rebelled, how many left the host of heaven? How many? One-third. So how many stayed? Two-thirds. What's the ratio of the ones who stayed to the ones who left? The holy ones to the unrighteous ones? Two to one. Two to one. Does God need that ratio to, to, to have the odds in his favor? No. <laughs> He's almighty all by himself. But he lets us know that the good, two to one, is a ratio. And uh, we, we can be encouraged by that. God knows what he's doing, and he protects his people. His, his power is with, is with his people. And, and, and uh, Elisha is just praying that they be able to see that. Let me read the rest of this so we can see how this story goes. Um, so uh, in verse 18, when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. 
and he led them to Samaria. Now, Samaria is, is where the king of Israel was. That's where the, the nation of Israel had its, its, its headquarters, its capital. Um, so I noticed Elisha prays for eyes to be open for a servant. Now he prays for the Syrians to have blindness. And he leads these blind people right into the enemy, their enemy's camp. And then we, you can read the rest of the story. He takes them into the camp, and then the king asks Elijah, now I've got this whole army, should I kill them? And Elijah says, no, no. These, these guys are, are ones that surrender, so you, you, treat, them, you treat them a different way. Um, and, and so um, when they were there, When they were in the middle of Samaria, verse 20, it says, As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. Okay, They're right in the middle of their enemy's camp, and now their eyes are open. How do you think they felt? <laughs> terrified. Absolutely terrified. It's interesting. Elisha prays for openness. He prays for blindness. He prays for openness again. But it's all in the people of God's favor. We can... Uh, we can uh, think about Elisha's prayer. Also think about this. God answered his prayer. Think about that. God answered Elisha's prayer. We come, come to prayer tonight and we, want, we can have confidence that God hears the prayers of his saints as they come to him uh, needing protection, needing blessing, needing God's power working in their lives. God hears their prayer. Good evening, saints. For our time of meditation, we're going to be back in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. Now, in the book of John, we're in the middle of the sixth chapter. And if you remember how this chapter opens up, Jesus turned, he multiplied the bread and fed the people. And after that, he walked in the water. And so we get to verse 22, and it says this. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But you said that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We could go on, but for meditation, we want to just chew on a little bit of the word. One of the things about this passage that you could almost be troubled by when you go through the Gospels is this. It seems like Jesus does not want a following. Jesus is very suspicious of people who claim to believe in him. It's almost as if if he had a membership in his church of a thousand, he would go out of his way to make it 300. And you may say to me, well, that's not true. Jesus won as many followers as he can, but I'm not so sure. It seems like Jesus goes out of his way to say things that will upset some. And the first thing that he does is when they come to him, they're happy to see him. They've been searching all over for him. But he, the first thing that we got to note is that Jesus didn't make himself easily found to them. That's the first thing. His disciples knew where he was, but these people were searching for him and they couldn't find him. The second thing is they ask him, oh, when did you get here, Rabbi? And he doesn't answer their question. But he answers their intention. And he says to them, you came for the bread. You came for the food. Now, one of the things, and I believe this is why people don't like to come to church, is because when the church is fully fulfilling the role that God has given it, we take a prophetic role. And what prophets do is they declare things that people normally don't know. Right? Why did the king of Syria want to kill Elisha? Because Elijah knew stuff he shouldn't have known. When they come to church and they hear a sermon, they like the part of the pastor know that, and they get scared by that. They know that things will be exposed, things will be shown to them, and it don't seem miraculous to us because we are we are numbed to it in some ways because we see it too often, right? We see the things of God so regularly that we don't, it don't bother us that much. We're like, oh, I was convicted. But to a person who's not used to that, right, I always remember what Ruby said when she first came into church. She was like, the pastor? Who told the pastor what I've been doing? That's what she said. And she was feeling like, who has been gossiping about me, right? And a lot of people feel uncomfortable in the church for that reason. You know, they stirring, they getting up, they talking, they doing this and that. But in reality, they are uncomfortable and they're trying to cover it with something else. 
you talk in Sunday school. Sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they talk in a lot. But in all of it, there's a cover, right? There's the fake them that they're trying to present, and there's the real them that is scared or wants something different. People always say, well, at least they came in the doors. And I would say, you need to be careful with that attitude, right? Because when our kids get older and people come in here to date them, at least they came in the doors. No. Why did you come? Because this is a holy place. We serve Jesus here. Now, I don't mind if you want to walk after Jesus and you want to find somebody else to walk with Jesus, towards Jesus. Okay, I'm with you on that. But if you came here simply to pursue your lust, this is not the place for you. If you came here to make money and make connections, this is not the place for you. Jesus said, this ain't the place for people who just want to get fed. He said, don't work for the food that perishes. And throughout this passage, you'll notice that the people, they want something more than the simple thing that Jesus is offering them. And that is this. You got to believe in me. Right? You have to believe in me. Now, what does it mean to believe? I think some people think that they just think hard enough that they are Christian. That's what believing is. But in reality, believing is a knowledge thing. It is understanding the doctrine that Jesus teaches, but that's not enough, right? Because it's professors that can tell us a doctrine, but subscribing and submitting to it. Understanding, the faith comes in understanding the force and the source of that doctrine. The knowledge is the doctrine. The faith is, this comes from God alone. And we have to submit to that doctrine. And that's why we come to church multiple times a week. People say, why you got to come to church over and over and over? Because I have a stubborn soul. And I need to submit to the Lord. And it takes a lot of work to submit to the Lord. It's not easy. It's not as easy as just saying it. It's a constant battle. It's a frustrating battle sometimes. Sometimes I'm amazed at myself the ways I slip up, right? Other times I'm amazed at what God can do despite that. But all in still, we're battling. We are submitting, and we don't want to submit. Remember, it's our goal as people. When somebody tells us, don't do that, we want to do that. That is the natural nature of sin. So what must we do? We got to fight against that core sin nature that everybody has that says to God, no. In other words, there was a whole forest of trees in the Garden of Eden. But even Adam was obsessed with one tree. If I tell little baby Jordan, don't pick up this one toy, he can have a thousand toys, but he going to want that one. If I tell people in the church, sit closer to the front, everybody going to be in the back row. It's just the way that we are. We are rebellious and foolish people. 
That's just our regular nature. That's me. That's you. That's the baby. That's the old person. We all that way. And we had to fight that nature. We often come with foolish intentions to church. I want to look good. I want to show this new shirt I bought. I want to show this new dress I bought. And all the while, Jesus is saying, you should come to submit to me. Sometimes we're coming for bread. What's your bread? You might like your bread toasted. Somebody else wants theirs in a sandwich. But we still are looking for bread. And Jesus says, come for me. And that's the meditation. We got to fight against ourselves. We come for, for bad reasons. But when we get here, the meditation is, let's change that reason <laughs> and make it God's reason. Amen. Good evening, everybody. So today I want to pray about kids in schools. Um, what I want the focus to be on is, and I'll give you a guided prayer. So, Savannah, can you pray for the kids that will be starting school? I know my kids are starting this week, this coming week. Uh, there's a bunch of schools starting this coming week. Some are starting a little later. But just pray for the kids in school um, as they start this school year. Um, some kids are not starting in traditional school like we used to in the building. There's a lot of school districts that have closed down last minute. Um, and I speak for my kids. They struggled with it. You know, so just pray for the kids as they as they have to do school through this time that seems like everything's just changing on them, going crazy. Those that are in school, they got to wear masks. Those that are at home, some they may be in a home without a parent that's willing to make sure they do well in school, or they may not have the stuff that they need to excel in school. Um, so it's going to be a lot of struggle for the kids. Dell, can you pray for the parents? Because for the same thing, there's parents that up to this week thought that they were going to be in school, and all of a sudden the schools are like, nope, it's at home. So they're struggling. They're struggling to find child care. They're struggling, how am I going to work with my kids and work my job to make sure that they're doing well in school? Um, I, I'm sure the parents can attest to this, that the kids had to do, that weren't already homeschooling, the kids that had to be home. It was, it was a struggle. It was a struggle to try to fit it all together, you know, outside of our normal work schedules and everything like that, and make sure that the kids were doing well. Or can you pray for the parents? And then I'll close this up. Dear Lord God, I praise God. Thank you, God, for your son who died on the cross for our sins. And I ask you, God, um, to pray for our world, pray for the world, and, and the people in this world, God, for the devils out here. And this virus that's out here, God, I ask you, God, just pray that they make sense of this virus that's going on. And I ask you, God, pray for all our kids. For some, it's going to start school next month, God, and some is, has started already online. So I ask you, God, just pray that the school system is prepared what's out here in this sinful world that the kids would be safe God and pray that um, just pray for, for 
for the government guys for for this um, system they got going on. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we come before your throne this uh, evening, Lord, just lifting up uh, this whole situation uh, with the schooling. It's difficult in normal times for parents to uh, prepare uh, for these times with all the supplies and just getting everything ready for school and um, to get ready to make that transition back into school. And Lord, uh, but these are not normal times. So it just makes it that much more, that much harder for the parents, especially, oh God. Uh, I pray, oh God, that you would give wisdom to the parents as they um, are having to learn how to navigate all these, uh, these new systems and these new ways uh, of doing things, oh God, as they seek to educate their children, oh Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you give them wisdom and guidance and um, fortitude and uh, patience and um, resilience, oh God, as they will need this, oh God, to, as they, as even as they are having to spend, you know, normally during the school year, the kids are at school for a few hours during the day, and the parents are at work or things of that nature. And there's a there's a degree of there's some period of break in between that, um, and and now it's going to be uh, more time at home together, oh God, and that's a good thing, but it's also a time where need to a lot more pressure and a lot more stress and a lot more issues and I pray oh God for wisdom in during those times oh God that you would uh, that you would help the parents as they are seeking to, to teach their children and keep them motivated to do the work that they need to do um, I pray um, for the systems that are going to be used to homeschool these children oh God that you would um, I pray everything goes um, as, as um, smoothly as it can um, as I've heard recently about how as some of the kids began to um, do homeschooling, some of the systems crashed. And, and it just that's an issue, but also creates a lot of anxiety for people, oh God, for the children and for the parents. And I pray, oh God, that as we enter into this new thing, um, such a broad thing, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would give wisdom and that you would guide and direct that everything would go through smoothly uh, with that. And I pray for our parents here. Um, who uh, are you know, dealing with things like their work and their job and daycare and having to consider perhaps um, some of those things now. And I pray, O oh, oh Lord, that you would help them to be able to navigate that and give them wisdom as they deal with these different challenges that they're now facing um, because of uh, just the, the craziness of these times. Um, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we continue in prayer. We just lift up a lot of the parents and children um, who are looking at this school year. That's going to be all a jumble. It's going to be um, trying time for them. We lift up the little children that have to um, be fluid with uh, the many changes that's going on that um, are having to resort to at-home schooling um, or being in the person but having to wear masks, which, you know, can just be an uncomfortable situation for them, Lord. Um, also, those that are at home schooling that may not have as attentive parents or 
parents that may not have the means to help give them an adequate education that the kids would be relying on is if they went to school. We just ask that you, you work in each and every one of those lives. You continue to do your will. We ask that you continue to do your will in the lives of the parents, Lord. We know that what's going on with the school systems is ultimately your will. You are allowing this to go on the path that it's going on, Lord. There's no surprises to you. You're the one that has allowed for the purpose for some of these schools to be closed, some of them to be open. We ask that you just be with the parents as they, they navigate through these struggles, Lord. Um, help them be able to give their children the attention that they need um, if they're homeschooling, Lord, and help them to be able to find the time and um, do what needs to be done to adequately um, educate their children and work with their children, Lord. Um, I ask that you just bless those those families, Lord, and most importantly, just bless those children that their school is their way away from broken homes, bad situations, Lord. You just hear things in the news on um, child molestations up, you know, um, um, physical violence to the children's up, Lord, during this time, Lord, and the school was their way to get away from that, Lord, and we just ask that you just be with every one of those, Lord, as it just breaks our hearts to see little children treated in this way, Lord, and we just ask that you continue to just work through your people, I don't know how we can, Lord, right now, Lord. I know some of your schools are that opportunity, and some of the Christian schools are um, working to be open, Lord, and we just praise you for that, your people being diligent, Lord. But also, Lord, some of um, our children who are grounded in you, Lord, um, that's a chance that they can witness to the, the kids in their schools, tell them about truth seekers, Lord, and we're, we're losing out on that avenue, Lord, and we ask that you continue to just uh, give us that opportunity to invite kids um, when we're able and continue to allow um, your ministries to go through those areas as well. In your name we pray.